0: Turn, O virgin daughter of Israel, to these your highways by which you went. Welcome to Reunion Roadmap, a place to discover the people and communities along the highway of restoration for Israel's House of Joseph. Reunion Roadmap is a Bene Yosef North America production. Be our guest for the next hour as we meet the people of the emerging House of Joseph here in North America. Hello, this is Fania Pappas with Beneos of North America. And with me is Al McCarn, our executive director. And we're going to part three in our interview with Barry Phillips, who's our brother, our elder for Beneos of North America. And he's our colleague when we're doing these podcasts.
1: That's right. This will be our concluding segment of our conversation. Barry is one of our founding elders. And uh, you'll have heard in the previous segment have how he encountered Mike Clayton. Mike has been a friend of Bina, and he was uh, part of the founding of it as well. But Barry has explained how Mike was instrumental in helping them, him to understand not only the applicability of the Torah, but uh, his identity as part of the House of Joseph. That's a groundbreaking thing. That's a paradigm-shifting thing that set Barry and Laura and their whole family on this new trajectory, which resulted in 2016 with Barry becoming one of our founding elders and with uh, the establishment of House of David Fellowship in Gloucester, Virginia, which now they are in their 21st year We left at a cliffhanger again last week, where Barry was confronted with questions about the identity of the one we call Messiah. Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ as we came to know him when we were growing up in church. Is he, as we learned, the divine Son of God, Messiah? That's where we're going to pick up this story. And uh, Barry's testimony in this regard is one of the Most compelling that I've ever heard. His experience, the answers he came up with are similar to the ones that I did. Um, But with Barry, it was much more of a need to cry out to God and get some direct answers right away. And uh, just the way that the father worked him through this and directed him. Well, that's how we're going to start this segment of the interview. And uh, I think you will be very intrigued and encouraged. With what Barry relates next. So let's go on back to Gloucester, Virginia, and conclude our visit with Barry
2: Phillips. And I remember one afternoon, I'm sitting here and I'm reading through this stuff and I'm trying to think, what am I going to say to my people on Shabbat? This doesn't make any sense to me. And I grabbed the papers and with my right hand, I just slung them and they went flying down the hall. I got up and went into the bedroom and I grabbed the scriptures and I started shaking it at the ceiling. And again, I'm mad. So I'm praying mad. And I start yelling at the heavens. You're going to, I didn't ask. I said, you're going to show me who Yeshua is. Don't you send me a teacher. Don't you send me a book. I don't want a tape started shaking the scriptures at him. I said, you show me in this book who Yeshua is. I have to know from your word. Who is Yeshua? Is he just a man? Is he you? Is he a part of you? Is he divine in deity, or is he just a human being? Do I worship him or not worship him? Because I've been trying to repent for worshiping Yeshua, and it wasn't working. And that unmistakable voice says, read Isaiah. Jumped up, ran to my chair, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. And those familiar with that, you realize, okay, my sins are, are like scarlet and they're wash, you know, okay, salvation. I got that part. Where what is this? I get to Isaiah chapter 9, and I read a familiar verse in verse 6, and I'll read it here. For a child is born unto us, a son is given unto us, and the rule is on his shoulder. And his name is called Wonder, Counselor. Then it says Strong El, Mighty God, Mighty El. This translation says Father of Continuity. And I looked that up and it said Aviad. And Al, when I saw that, I didn't have to get down to Prince of Peace. I never made it that far. When I saw that he was El-Gubor, I went and started looking this up. He is El Gabor and Aviad. I was dancing in the living room floor, hollering to the top of my lungs. I know who you are. I know who you are. That verse settled me. And it was the fact that the scriptures told me who he was. I didn't go back and read any more of that information. And I realized I'm just going to have to disagree with someone that's been a mentor to me. They're wrong, and the word is right. Yeshua is not just a man. This is a child that is born. And I knew that there were some who were saying, well, you know, this is the child of a king of Israel, and, and, you know, it was a prophecy. But a child of a king, an earthly king, is not called Aviad, and he is not El-Gibor. There is only one that that refers to. He's the everlasting father. There's only one. The child's name is everlasting father. That settled it for me. And that relationship rapidly deteriorated for me and for Mike Clayton. Mm -hmm. And Mike left that whole thing and called me up on the phone and he said, I need your help. We've got to get Yeshua back in the middle of this thing. And there has been a partnership between he and I, than for, what, uh, um, 20 years, and that purpose, putting Yeshua back in the middle of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So House of Davids just celebrated this past year our 20th anniversary. We're still here. Yah is um, developing ministry. Um, I worked a secular side job at a music store. For 10 years in 2014, uh, I remember praying on my back porch. I didn't make it to the backyard. I was on my back deck. And I was complaining. And I was saying something to the tune of, Father, I am tired of fruitlessness. I have sown seed, sown seed, and I'm tired of no fruit. And that unmistakable voice says, "Sow, sow your seed in better ground. And I realized that the ground that I had been sowing some seed in through that job was worn out out of that. We birthed remnant of Israel online ministry. It was a frustrating first year in 2014 to 2015 to see that get off the ground. My expectations didn't pan out, but eventually I, I did five or six years of, uh, um, podcasting and radio broadcast on Hebrew Nation Radio. Out of that, we I started doing videos online. So now there's almost a thousand videos on my Remnant of Israel uh, YouTube channel. Done some conference speaking. Um, been here, done that kind of thing. And in 20 what was it 2015. Well,
1: 2015 was the first B'nai SF Congress, and B'nai was established the following year.
2: So in 2016, I was completely overwhelmed uh, to be nominated as an elder with B'nai Yosef. And uh, I'll never forget the the conference that we had in St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, the signing of the Articles of Declaration, I wonder if there's tears. I, I, I was crying all, all, all over that. I probably put smudges all over those papers, those documents.
1: Along with the smudges, all the rest of us were putting on it.
2: Uh-huh. That that gathering was one of the most powerful things that I've ever been a part of in my life. So there have been these, you know, the entering into now our seventh year as a part of B'nai Yosef North America remnant of Israel, house of David, and, uh, you know, Yah's put more on my plate than I know what to do with. So um, there's the, um, what was it now, I guess, the um, 30-minute version, uh, a 40-minute version of my life.
1: (laughs) The condensed version. And, Barry, it's been a um, joy to walk with you, Uh, for the last seven years with Bnei Yosef. I guess the question would be for this movement at large, which I call the Torah awakening. We could call the restoration of Israel's two houses, the regathering of of Ephraim. That's what Bnei Yosef of North America is all about. The regathering and reconciliation of the house of Joseph here in North America. (laughs) This is a bigger... Process than any of us can imagine, and we have little bits of it that connect with other people and the little bits that they have. Where are we, where's this going next? What do you see in the next five years? Say for this movement at large,
2: a couple of things I see is um, an exposure out of necessity necessary exposure. I had always imagined up until a few years ago that there must be, I don't know, here in America, a million or so of us. And we got, as elders, we began to discuss that at one point. And thinking of all the congregations that we are aware of, totaling them all up together, it came to a shocking realization that we might have 25 on an extreme level, thirty thousand of us. there's not a million Hebrew roots folks in America. maybe in the world, maybe, but uh, here in america we we are so minuscule in our and our existence, it's no wonder no one knows who we are now there's if you add in messianic congregations that are more uh, traditional m j a a alliance style things, then you can burgeon that number a bit, but as far as again the House of Israel and its existence and its various emanations and and forms, there's just not that many of us yet somehow, by some system of events, I don't know what they are. Uh, someone who has better understanding of uh, the schedule of things and where we might be and, you know, the huge argument or debate as to where we're at in the scheme of God's timetable and how things are going to go, may understand what those events might be. But somehow I'm thinking that there's going to be a need of us, that we're going to be called on to supply some level of ministry answering their questions, some, some perspective of of scripture revelation that's going to make sense to some very troubled people. Mm. Uh, for example, and you know, this this is again, it's debatable, and and so you know, I'm not trying to upset anyone's apple cart if you believe differently than this. But from my my perspective, perhaps we get to a place where those who hold to a premillennial rapture of the church where everyone escapes tribulation level events and and we're just not here for that when tribulation level events began to take place and people are not out of here if they panic and their pastors can't answer why they may be going to someone else either in a panic or in a frenzy i thought you know i didn't think we would see this i didn't think we would experience this What am I supposed to do? It may be then that we can say, let's go back to the scriptures and take a look at it from a different angle. And understand that the kingdom's coming here. And we got to be prepared for kingdom living here. Rather than escaping to something else. Uh, Prior to his death, my dad took me into the bedroom, pulled out his Bible, and he went to Matthew chapter 24. And he began to show me with his finger, he said, you know, um, wars, rumors of wars and down that list of end time events. And then he goes over to the middle of the next column and it says, then the son of man will appear. And he starts pointing to all this other stuff. and He said, we want to, to go through that, aren't we? Hmm. I said, yeah, dad, we are. And with that, he just shook his head and closed the Bible, and that was the answer he was looking for. He began to realize a lot of the things that he had been told that we would escape we're actually going to experience because it, the word says he doesn't show up until after these events take place. That may be unsettling for some folks. Maybe that's what will be. I don't know. But I think out of necessity that there's going to be a, an exposure and a revelation of who we are and then with that, I'm praying and I believe Yah for credibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we would not be a people with flighty explanations or, or um, some kind of weird stuff from out on the fringe, but that we would actually have scriptural, solid, dependable answers. And people can look at the word and say, you know, I didn't realize that that's what it said. But you're right. There it is. That's what I need to know. So we need to be a credible people. For us to come to that place, we can't wait until whenever that might be. We need to be preparing ourselves now.
1: I would would submit that a lot of that preparation is already happening. I believe so. Uh, Yeah. And we do have the solid scriptural answers. Perhaps what is going on now and why... We look around and, you know, we've talked about this, the, the elders, the admin council at Bina have all talked about it. What, why is there no traction with this and that program that we've, we've um, looked for or tried? I think you have hit on it and there is a need to have that credibility, that grounding in the word, that kingdom vision of Israel's restoration. That needs to be something that wells up from deep within it, within us. Because it's not that we know it, it's we're living it out.
2: When a young person needs an answer, they will go to their peers. But when they really are serious about an answer, they will go to their elders, to the previous generations. They'll go to their parents, grandparents, someone they know that has, that's been seasoned, that they're mature and they're stable. You don't want to depend on someone who can barely keep his head above water to save you from drowning. You want someone who is a seasoned swimmer that knows what they're doing. Amen. So we, uh, I look around the, uh, the Bina people and more and more gray hair is showing up and the years are adding up a bit. But at the same time, I'm realizing the elders... Not just the role of elders, but those who are in an elder generation, and you don't have to be in uh, being a uh, leadership to be referenced here. Those that have been through it, those that have had to pray their way through issues, tragedies, those that have been teaching the word for a long time, that have seen people grow and mature, that exhibit maturity themselves, a sense of stability a sense of joy in the midst of hardship. Those are the ones that the folks are going to start leaning on. So it would be who us that are a part of that generation to remain grounded ourselves. We don't need to be the one with angry diatribes on social media. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be the ones that are accused of infighting or, Uh, financial um, uh, missteps. We we want credibility. We want a sincere and stable walk because when people need us the most, we need to be qualified. Mm -hmm. We need to have that example of maturity, that example of righteousness and of a right mindset. We're not here to count you as a number. We're here to grow you as a person. And people are tired of being counted.
1: <laughs> Seems to me there's something in Torah about that.
2: I believe there's a few things in Torah about that. And a few historical examples given as well. Um, so uh, growing people instead of counting their their numbers is important. Amen. Well,
1: I think we'll have to leave it there, Barry, because um, we serve the God who created time, but he gives us only <laughs> a limited amount. <laughs> But thank you very much, Barry Phillips, uh, pastor at House of David and uh, elder of Beneas of North America and, shall we say, wise teacher and counselor of Remnant of Israel. Thank you for sharing your story
2: with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: From House of Aaron, Walk Beside Me. From their album of the same name, available at HouseofAaron.com.
3: Shalom, everybody. Welcome to the mid Rush portion of Reunion Roadmap. This is David Jones, and with me today is Barry Phillips. Shalom, brother. Shalom, David. You know, I'm I'm thinking about uh, times in life when you when you have to move into a, a new new neighborhood, or or you're there and you get new neighbors. And uh, at, at the time of this recording, the house sitting next to us is just recently vacated, and so you never know what kind of neighbors you're going to get in there. You know, um, are they going to be neighborly they're going to be good neighbors they're going to be not good neighbors and you know what's what's it going to be like things like that and i'm thinking back to the book of back in exodus chapter 25 verse 8 yahweh says have them make a sanctuary for me so that i may dwell among them and it's interesting here because you know we think about you know yahweh is uh is limitless he he is timeless he he is infinite how can how can he fit in a finite space and dwell within this finite space i mean the most holy place was this small square room how can the one who created everything is and said who spanned the heavens with you know with the stretch of his hand and how can he fit within this And and you know that was never the point that was never the fullness of the idea there he did not say he was going to to live in this little compartment of the most holy place he says build me and make for me a sanctuary so that i may dwell among them the asuli mikdash, and then Vishikanti the betoham betoham is the word i want to focus on here where he says that i may dwell among them, he doesn't mean in their neighborhood. He doesn't mean next door to them. Among the the root word the vec means to bisect and place in the very center of. He's not saying that make me a sanctuary so that I can be in their neighborhood and live next to them. He's saying have them make a sanctuary so that I can dwell in them. Among them, in them. He didn't say make a sanctuary so I can dwell in it. And, yeah. and so this is, this is personal. And, and this is reaffirmed later in Vayikra, Leviticus 26, when he says that I will put my tabernacle among you, and I will not reject you, and I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. This word amum is betachem, same word. So he says, I will put my tabernacle in you, and I will not reject you, and I will walk in you and be your God, and you will be my people. So, from the very beginning, we have this idea of Yahweh wants to dwell in relationship with us, but he wants to dwell in such a place of unity with us, him and us, us in him, that uh, we're, we're just echad. And isn't that what Yeshua said? You know, Yeshua said, you abide in me, and I in you, and we abide with the Father. You know, and then he's, you know, then, you know, if you're my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I mean, all these things tying in together. So the idea I'm thinking of here is Yahweh doesn't want to just be acknowledged as your neighbor. He wants to live in you, through you, with you, and manifest his kingdom here. Right. and all, 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 of this we're supposed to learn based on the model of the tabernacle. So, how is it that the um, we 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 placed the the tabernacle as you know? God says, "Oh no, build a tabernacle so that He can meet us there." He said He's going to meet us there, but the point of meeting in the tabernacle was to show what He was designing in our heart. Uh, even down to the very first implement, okay, build this place that I can dwell. And the very first one, he, the thing he said to start with was the ark, which was the heart of the Mishkan, where he says, I will meet with you and dwell with you. So we got a few a few things, a few directions we can kind of kind of take this on today.
2: Uh, Barry, where, where do you think we should go with this? The First thing that came to mind as you were talking, David, is the difference between the Hebraic Mindset and our Western-oriented mindset, where we look at the word you, Y-O-U, and we typically read that in the singular. As when I read the word you in the text, I'm thinking, okay, he's speaking to me as the individual. Where more often, and especially in the Torah, it's referencing you plural, in that I am talking to you as the collective. Um, so when he says, I'm going to dwell uh, in the midst of you, you know, it says their midst. It's a plural. No, it's not, as you say, his moving in next door, or I'm over here and you're over there, but don't forget that I'm next door. That's not the message that he's, he's given to us, as you said. But rather, I am in the midst of you as your collective. The Mishkan, the tabernacle, was situated in the epicenter of the encampment. He's in not only the midst, but he's in the very middle of them. But he is in the middle of their collective uh, uh, being as Ikhat, the unity of all of you together. So I'm going to I'm going to be located in the epicenter of you as a nation as a community. So we we tend to apply that as we go to whatever gatherings that we associate with, whether it's a weekly congregation or um, you know a festival, a feast day. Um, we go to like Sukkot. Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a blessing, perhaps to others, but. I'm going to get a blessing. I'm going to enjoy the event. It's about me. Yah is saying, as you go, I go with you. As they come, I come with them. When you gather together, I am collectively in the midst of you. Wherever my people are gathered, I'm in the midst. Yeshua said, where two or three of you are gathered, I'm in the midst of you. I, you don't make decisions you don't uh, discuss doctrines you don't enjoy fellowship without me being in the middle of you i'm in there uh, it's an awkward thing david to be a, a leader of a congregation and to walk in to your congregation meeting place and there are people there having a meeting about the congregation without you. And you didn't even know that it was going on. <laughs> I Had that to happen. It's like, wow. uh, I, how is it that you're here making decisions about what we're doing? And you didn't even invite me to be a part of this. And I'm your leader. Uh, this is awkward. So uh, am I, am I reading or hearing you correctly? And in, in, in that perspective, You know, it's, it's, we're talking about
3: relationship and it's, you know, we don't want Yahweh to be on the outside of what we're doing, like you're saying. Um, uh, We we want him to be the the very core of everything that we do and everything we do is centered around him. You know, it's not like a hierarchy. You know, I mean, it's a, everybody thinks differently. So it's not necessarily wrong to say, you know, Yahweh first and everything after that. But, um, but I, I think it's just as valid to say Yahweh is the very core of everything. And, and everything centers around that. Um, we, we need this relationship with him, you know, like, you, like Yeshua had prayed, you know, I and the Father are one. But then he prayed for his Talmudim in John 17. And he says, Father, I pray that they are one like you and I are one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so Israel... Here they are, they're encamped around, uh, uh, the mountain and, and Yahweh says, build me this meeting place. Well, they were already meeting with Yahweh. He was already there. He was at the mountain, but the idea was never to stay at the mountain. In this, this amazing experience that they had, they, they saw the God of Israel at the mountain and, and here now, what do they do? I mean, no, no, we got to stay here. No, um, Yahweh has a land that he's taking you to. And so you have to take this experience and carry this experience with you. It's not about tearing the Mishkan apart and and carrying it out and carrying it with you. No. How do we carry this experience, this Sinai experience with us? In you. It's in your heart. It's in in your DNA. It's in you. And we pass it on from generation to generation to generation. And uh, much like we have to see each other connected with Yahweh, of course, but we have mm-hmm. to see each other connected with each other. You know, I'm I'm thinking back to um, I think it was Parsha Yitro when he says that Israel was encamped around the mountain. Well, when it talks about Israel being encamped around the mountain, it's given twice there as they encamped. One yeah. time was in a singular, another time was in plural, and I know you've yeah. done a teaching on that, and 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 the idea that in my mind is. When Yahweh redeemed Israel and brought them out of Mitzrayim, he says, I redeemed you. Guess what? He redeemed each and every person he brought out. But guess what else? He redeemed them individually and put them all together as a corporate entity called Israel and redeemed them as a whole. And and in America, we're really good at, you know, he's your personal Lord and Savior, right? Um not to throw another uh, tip over another uh, holy
2: cow here but that's not in the scripture anywhere no no uh, man this we could go down several paths here and I'm trying to figure out w- uh, which fork in the road to take um he redeemed us to be a part of Israel that you know Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very plain to us that we who were afar off have been brought near, that we used to be without the covenant. We used to be without hope in this world. But now in Messiah, when we were afar off, he's brought us near and he has, as Romans 10 says, uh, he has, um, Romans 11, excuse me, he has grafted us in and made us a part of the whole. We were never redeemed to be a spiritual one man island. Uh, me and Yeshua, we got our own thing going. No, that's that's not scriptural. Uh, we are a part of the collective whole, and our redemption includes the the work of the Ruach Kodesh to enable us to walk together in the whole. Um, a prevailing mindset is I don't need any leadership. I don't need anybody else. I can study on my own. I can walk on my own. And I don't want anybody telling me how I need to do anything uh then you don't understand you don't understand the body of Messiah. Yeshua was never about redeeming the individual so that the individual could remain the individual. we were redeemed to be a part of a collective whole um when as you were saying he he redeemed Israel, he spoke to them as the whole um you know, there was no tent. There was no There was no elevated ground somewhere where only the elite could encamp. Everybody camped together. So you had to learn to get along with your neighbor, and it wasn't always easy because, you know, somebody was snoring at night and kept you awake all night. Somebody's <laughs> baby was crying and you couldn't get a, any sleep. Someone, you know, they spread their tent pegs out too wide, in your opinion, and they were infringing <laughs> on your space. Uh, you didn't like the smell of what they were cooking for supper. Uh, Why do they, you know, I don't want to listen to you and your wife argue all day long. There's always some grumbling, some complaint about something. But where else are you going to go? David, if you're in the wilderness and you're following the cloud, you can't have your own single individual me and nobody else journey. You have to move with everybody else. I think that
3: is a great point to make because... You know, today here in America, if we don't like what's being said or done, or don't or have a problem with a person, we just move on and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And and scripturally, you know, you were not given that, uh, if, if you want to call it luxury, you were not given that option. You are forced as a people to learn to focus on bigger things, to focus on the heart of the Father, His kingdom being established here, His heart being established here. And as, as Yeshua says in John 15 multiple times, abide in me, I in you. And if you do this, you're going to produce good fruit. My word is going to be in you, and my Father will be glorified. And uh, that's what we need to learn. We need to learn to abide in him, and in doing so, he is going to dwell in, in us. But at the same time, we're going to have to learn to dwell with one another.
2: Mm. So let's get to liking each other. We don't have much choice, do we? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about does it for us today, Barry. It does indeed. indeed. Folks, we thank you for listening in. We enjoy your comments. Uh, We look forward to your questions. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so at ReunionRoadmap at BenayosefNA.com. The next week, Shalom, David
1: from will spires our declaration you can see the video of this song on youtube at the will spires music channel Well, that was a new song by Will Spires, our declaration. And then we had that uh, Midrash, which Barry and David call, that I may dwell among them. Stefania, what did you gather from their discussion of our God and his desire to dwell among us?
0: Well, I just thought it was beautiful how, at the end, how it all merged into just this one beautiful message of how, both the Father wants to dwell in us with in a personal relationship, but also among us as a corporate people.
1: Yeah, this was one of the most mind-blowing things that happened to me early on in our journey with Torah, and I learned it from a rabbi, seeing what did God intend when they're building the Mishkan, the tabernacle, dwelling among them, and how does that picture what he wants to do dwelling in us, in our hearts. Stefania, this is a new covenant message. So let me ask you this. If you are one of our Hebrew ancestors at the foot of Mount Sinai, and you're helping gather the materials and put together the Mishkan, would you have had any clue that this was actually a symbol of where our creator wants to set up his residence and dwell among us and in us.
0: Yeah. That would be something that might be kind of a hard to, to comprehend, but you could see as we look at the Torah, those Torah portions, that there's that sense that that's what he was wanting. And you could tell the people who action, they weren't getting it.
1: So we can't look back after 3000 years and point fingers at them and Sure. the revelation was coming and they gathered and understood what they could yeah but it takes hindsight to understand it fully as the father opens our eyes so when jeremiah and ezekiel are talking about the new covenant of the new heart and how our god will set up his residence in us and when yeshua especially is talking about that that's the picture that the Mishkan first put in front of us. So here's the next question. If our ancestors at Sinai and our ancestors in Judea in the first century didn't understand the fullness of what that means to have our God dwelling in us and among us, who is to say that we understand the fullness of his kingdom?
0: Yes, We we know the uh, verse where it says, Messiah in you, the hope of glory. But do we really understand that national redemption part of things? And that's uh, actually being revealed to us, but we don't know the fullness of it yet.
1: Very wise words, being revealed. And uh, the last thing we need to do is be arrogant about it and say, we live now and we've got all the revelation and we understand exactly what's coming because I sure don't.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to walk humbly and uh, have grace to recognize my Redeemer when he returns.
0: I'm into that.
1: Well, that will do it for this edition of Reunion Roadmap. If you've enjoyed the show, then please go to our website, b n e y y o s e f n a B-N-E-Y-Y-O-S-E-F-N-A.com. Check out our resources there. We do have a donate button if you are so moved to partner with us. Uh, but whatever you do, come on back next week for another edition of Reunion Roadmap. On behalf of Stefania Pappas and David Jones and Barry Phillips, this is Al McCarn. Shavuotov. Thank you for joining us on Reunion Roadmap, a production of Bene Yosef,
0: North America. Please come back next week for another visit with the people of the
1: Emerging House of Joseph here in North America.